one physician, 30 providers, overscheduled, no schedule, hall consults. Sure, I can make this closet a third audio suite. We've all been there. Even on our best days, there is simply a lot happening in any multi-specialty practice. So each week on Doc Talk, guests will share some of their most outrageous predicaments, creative solutions, and best advice that will help providers in every sort of multi-specialty environment improve themselves, patient care, and the people in business around them. Doc Talk invites you into the world of medical audiology, where we can learn the secrets, tips, and tricks of practicing with excellence in these busy clinics from the providers that make it all happen. Hi, Dr. Patricia Ramos here with the Network of Medical Audiology Professionals. And with me today, I have Dr. Dave Fabry. I'm sure that most of you know who he is. And he is the Chief Innovation Officer at Starkey. So, Give me a little idea of what's going on in, in the world of Starkey today. Well, we've been on a journey for about three years, really, to reinvent and redefine what people think of when they think of hearing loss and the use of hearing aids. Importantly, as you know, that hearing aids need to provide speech understanding for hearing aid users in quiet and noisy environments, but we've also been incorporating embedded sensors in hearing aids since 2018 in combination with artificial intelligence to really help patients hear better and live better by linking to those conditions that are comorbid with hearing loss, like physical activity, cardiovascular disease, even cognitive decline. And there's been some great sessions at this conference related to that comorbidity with hearing loss and other important health conditions. Well, and as we know, the last 18 months have, we've lived a different life yeah. uh, and it doesn't look like it's over yet. How have you, I, I, I'm interested to hear how you think the, the time of this pandemic has really impacted the hearing industry. Oh boy, uh, in so many ways. Um, I won't say that there's ever a, a, a silver lining out of the pandemic uh, because there isn't and we're still going through it as you just say. Mm -hmm. But I think, you know, as somebody that embraced telehealth in 1994 when I was then at Mayo Clinic, mm -hmm. um, we had the luxury of having a system that facilitated uh, the reprogramming of hearing aids during the time when they were digitally programmable devices. Mm -hmm. and, uh, but I, I like to say that for 25 years, telehealth within our discipline hid in plain sight because people didn't really embrace it. Mm -hmm. And like a lot of other things, I've seen the enemy and it's us, I mm -hmm. think, in that, in that many professionals felt like they couldn't engage with patients in the same way. And it, they, it was in some way eliminating their role. But I think during the, the onset of the pandemic in 2020, we found that in many cases when that face-to-face -face interaction wasn't possible because many of the patients who were most vulnerable to COVID also were happened to wear mm -hmm. hearing aids and they realized the importance of, of, of hearing during the pandemic. And so all of a sudden, practitioners started to embrace telehealth and, and really embraced it with a vengeance. Our uh, utilization of our telehealth program uh, increased by 300% mm -hmm. during the pandemic. What I hope, however, is that it's not just that telehealth is for uh, uh, pandemics alone, because I've seen people start to regress mm -hmm. and go back to the old ways of doing things. And, and by no means would I say that telehealth should be used in, 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 in replace face-to-face -face right. care, but it can really augment it. And it's not all about us. Patients really find the benefits of not having to uh, uh, travel 
not having to take time out of their schedules. Um, and I, as somebody who's been both a provider and a patient of telehealth, as long as I know that some of the routine things like reprogramming can be handled mm -hmm. remotely, when if I need to see you for an important issue that I'm having, I'm okay with that. Mm -hmm. And uh, so that's probably the biggest learning is we've seen telehealth being embraced, but now let's not go back to our old habits and let's consider the ways that it can fit into best practice moving forward. And we're delighted to offer solutions that enable and afford optimization by face-to-face and remotely. Well, in our case, too, we use that for people that really wanted to come in to the office to feel like they had been somewhere. We started using curbside, yeah. right? Because we could. Right. You know, we'd be in the office there in the car. Yep. And, and it really, uh, one thing that I noticed during that time is we went very quickly, I went on to Facebook Live and yeah. started talking about curbside services because yeah. patients, if you imagine, you know, the hearing impaired community, obviously now in total lockdown. Yeah. Right, not that you're, we're not isolated enough, and I, that hearing loss doesn't bring isolation, but now you're in lockdown, something goes wrong, and the patient can't get care. And I wanna point out a couple things. There's some things that maybe aren't obvious at first that we think about, well, telehealth, and we say, oh, you know, people are isolated, and they wanna get back together, and I'm appreciative to mm -hmm. be here with you in person. But for many hearing aid users and cochlear implant users, some studies have shown that during the pandemic, they actually preferred telehealth to face-to-face -to -face because what? They can control the environment, they can keep the ambient level in their home at a low level, and the interaction with the professional is unmasked. Whereas if they go into a facility, they have to communicate when they're wearing a mask and the other person's wearing a mask. So some uh, additional sort mm -hmm. of non, you know, they, they weren't obvious, but then it was like, well, of course, you know, in many cases, if you can control the ambient environment and continue to make use of both audio and visual, um, it can serve additional benefits, and it was hiding in plain sight for an awfully long time. Well, I think the other thing, too, that this has kind of brought, because it is a very disruptive time in yeah. the hearing area, in the yeah. hearing space, right, uh, is that, you know, the mask was something yeah. that people didn't really consider until we had to wear them all the time. Yeah, and two things that came apart uh, uh, as a consequence of that. In January of 2020, we launched uh, our industry's first custom in-the-ear rechargeable device that was connected directly to a smartphone. And, you know, our history has really, at Starkey, has been predicated on uh, customization and mm -hmm. optimization of the form factor and of the sound. And, um, but little did we know that just a couple months later, people would start to appreciate that when they were wearing a mask and taking them on and off many times throughout the day, that that in-ear form factor is much more secure uh, than their receiver in the canal or behind the ear device. And so I think it's rekindled interest. Um, and, and then with the rechargeable and the smartphone connected mm -hmm. aspect, um, it's really uh, uh, transitioning hearing aids from single purpose devices into multi-purpose, multi-function ones. Mm -hmm. And then one more thing on the AI piece that was an unintended consequence. We introduced a feature in January at that same time, just prior to the pandemic, that the individual could double tap or now press a button in the app that did an acoustic scan in a challenging listening environment to optimize audibility and ultimately speech intelligibility. Little did we realize that literally six weeks after we launched this feature and we talked about it and demonstrated it as a benefit in noisy environments, mm -hmm. um, I, still, I still see patients on a regular basis. And some of my patients last April and May started saying, you know, you told me to use it in noise, 
But when I encountered somebody at the store who was wearing a face mask and I activated edge mode, mm -hmm. um, I heard them more clearly. So we went back to the lab and we started looking and sure enough, that optimization to offset the loss of audibility provided by a face mask proved to be one of our most popular features during the pandemic in combination with that custom form factor. So sometimes out of terrific and terrible adversity comes opportunity mm -hmm. for us to sort of innovate in real time. Well, and, the, and I think another thing that I wanted to talk a little bit about with you is, you know, we've both been in this industry for longer than we would like to say. We'll <clears throat> yes, but um, and I, there's always been the sky is falling, right? Yeah. There's always those moments mm -hmm. in time where people think the sky has been falling in the in the in our profession. How do you see what's happening on the Medicare side mm -hmm. and the OTC mm -hmm. side and the direct to consumer? Where do you see that impacting us? Pro, pro con. Yeah. Um, well, first of all, uh, thank you for for raising that question. Uh, on the on the flight down, I watched the movie, the new movie about Anthony Bourdain. Mm -hmm. um, powerful movie. A little depressing. I mean, he was a messed up dude, but but very inspirational. Mm -hmm. He talked about his advice to people is, don't be afraid to fail and don't be afraid to run into adversity. And that's why he took so many risks in his career, mm -hmm. also in his personal life. But one of the issues when I became an audiologist in 1983, one of my professors took me aside at graduation and said, congratulations, but I really wouldn't want to be in your shoes because I don't see much future for this discipline. So there's always been this feeling like, oh, the sky is falling tomorrow. You know, there's all these risks and, and OTC, um, you know, there are those that are afraid of OTC, third party pay, and you know, including mm -hmm. uh, the Medicare expansion. None of that concerns me in, in the sense that I think the one thing that cannot be commoditized is the care and compassion as well as the technical expertise that the audiologist provides and in collaboration with the otorhinolaryngologist. That, that patients want to have access to the latest technology, but the majority of them don't want to do it themselves. I think that there's, uh, it's great. I'm all for accessibility and affordability and anything that improves uh, 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 adoption rate for hearing aids is a great thing because mm -hmm. the, the reality is, and we have uh, in the exhibit hall, we have many of the manufacturers, the incumbent mm -hmm. manufacturers. The, 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 the sad reality is, is our biggest competitor is not one of our other brands, but non-use. And mm -hmm. so anything that increases the percentage of people that will uh, use hearing aids by accessibility and affordability is great but I think it's short-sighted to think that there still isn't a stigma associated with hearing loss. The audiologist is the one who helps get that patient to recognize where he or she is having difficulty, bring the family member along, supply the appropriate level of technology and type of technology, form factor of technology for that patient. And I'm not afraid of some of these disruptions. I think it will uh, bring increased com competition. No longer will it only be the incumbent hearing aid manufacturers, but now, you know, big consumer electronics mm -hmm. companies. But, but I look at it as an opportunity because I think ultimately it's about sitting down with the patient, doing the diagnostic evaluation, counseling, identifying what they're afraid of, what they're stigmatized about hearing aid use, and then running boldly at the solutions and, and really assisting them on that patient journey. So FCOM, this is mm -hmm. your, your first time joining us at it FCOM. Is, yeah. uh, we, the, the mission of Network of Medical Audiology Professionals is to really highlight 
the importance of collaborative care. Uh, especially in hearing, and one thing we talk you talked about is the opportunity that that things bring. I have you seen uh, that during this time, between everything that is disruptive in the space, whether it be OTC, mm -hmm. masks from the pandemic, cognitive decline, studies mm -hmm. going on. In my opinion, it's probably been one of the best things for the industry as far as bringing awareness to the impact. Look, think about when we were just coming into this profession and many of us uh, would say, gosh, I just wish that people would appreciate uh, the sense of hearing and I wish that people would, would raise awareness for the importance of the use of hearing aids. And be careful what you wish for because mm -hmm. now we got it, beginning back with the PCAS Council that led to the development of the OTC mm -hmm. category and accessibility and affordability on the other end with the, the, the potential for Medicare expansion. There's a lot between where they are and where, whether that bill is going to actually pass mm -hmm. and be implemented. But I agree with you. I think the best years are in front of us, and in particular for collaboration between the audiologist and the physician and other uh, affiliated providers in the healthcare uh, system. Because even some of the presentations that I've heard already here, not only you know advances in uh, cochlear implants and implantable technology, thinking about the, the possibility mm -hmm. of uh, not too far into the future having medical treatments to uh, assist those with hearing loss. I mean, as a hearing aid guy, you know, I could be terrified of that and think, what are we going to do? You know, are we going to, there still is going to be the need for the role of the professional because it's not like Rogaine for your ears in regrowing mm -hmm. those hair cells. It's going to still likely require some intervention mm -hmm. by the professional and probably with some hardware strategies. But I'm excited about it and the collaboration is limitless. Well, and I think the other thing that you pointed out too is that in, in this space that is so diverse right now, it really has brought the opportunity for us to highlight the importance of hearing and the education of, of outside of our silo. 100%. And, uh, you know, I think about what my parents were concerned with. They were concerned about cancer and cardiovascular disease. Um, if you talk to a baby boomer and you want to get their attention, talk to them about cognitive decline. Mm -hmm. We've all, in, most of us have invested more time in education than our parents did. I certainly did. Mm -hmm. And I don't want to lose it. And now as I'm approaching, mm -hmm. you know, old is always 10 years older than me. But as I'm approaching <laughs> you know, retirement age, um, I, I want to do everything I can. I care less about uh, what, whether someone sees that I'm wearing a hearing aid mm -hmm. or hearing aids, but I care more about what the hearing aid will do for me. Will it do real-time translation? Will it do transcription? Will it connect to the phone so that I can listen to podcasts? I'm a podcast host now. Uh, will, it, uh, will it do so other surprised. things? <laughs> will it do... Uh, what I need it to do and really, again, become part of that ecosystem. I want hearing aid patients to become as addicted to their technology as the rest of us because it puts the focus, as everyone's wearing stuff in their ears now, mm -hmm. it puts the focus on what hearing aids can do and really transition from something that people feel like they have to wear into something they want to have. And that, and think about that, if we, if we roll the clock back 35 years, that, that, that would be my dream come true. Absolutely. Well, I, I remember, I, I always like to tell younger students mm -hmm. that I feel like I'm kind of that, that story that my grandmother used to say about how she walked to school, no <laughs> shoes, uphill. Both uphill. ways in the snow. Yeah, and yeah. what we've seen happen in technology since yeah. we began this, in this field went from a little screwdriver trim pot to 
incredible things. Mm -hmm. You know, so it's super exciting area, I think. And you know, I just like I like that the to pull in other professions yeah. and help them understand it because we obviously as ourselves in our silo have not done a great job even in the medical world, right? Of of getting the message out and to our patients. So I think Hopefully a collaborative environment where there's a lot of give and take and a lot of discussion and collaboration around things helps to benefit the patient in the long term, and that's the goal. Couldn't agree more. A, friend, a, a guy that I've gotten to know over the years and he's become a, a good friend, Mike Maddock, has an expression where he says, you can't read the label when you're inside the jar. Anytime you're in a discipline, in a profession, in an environment for as little as eight months to a year, we start siloing. We, mm -hmm. we start beginning to lose that perspective of the newcomer, the outsider. Mm -hmm. So that's why I think a collaborative environment is so important. As somebody who's got a charge to be chief innovation officer, mm -hmm. um, too many people use innovation and invention synonymously. Uh, and there are many inventions that have died a lonely death because they didn't meet a market need, a patient need, and actually, you know, get sold. Mm -hmm. And so my job is to ensure that we're delivering patient-developed care, but you don't really get the best innovations by talking to people who are living inside the silo. You have to have newcomers. You have to have outside perspectives. Mm -hmm. The challenge we all have is to try to keep that fresh set of eyes and ears and bring that to a solution. And I think the best way to do that, your new employees are the best ones. Mm -hmm. And new collaborators who can look outside the jar uh, are, the, are gonna help you deliver and put that expertise into practice. Well, I certainly appreciate you being here. I, of course, appreciate the friendship that we've developed over the years uh, and hope that you'll come back next year. You know I will, and All thank right. you. All right, thank you so much. You bet.